Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Wrapping up Habakkuk. And uh, we, we finished with our reading this week, a really beautiful, uh, it's really just a poem. I thought in the spirit of the, of the uh, theme of this uh, reading today, I wanted to share a poem with you uh, that, that my daughter wrote. Uh, it's a shameless plug again of my children, but here we go. So my, one of my daughters, was uh, they were playing with some kids in the neighborhood, some, uh, some other young girls their age in the neighborhood, good friends, thankful for them. And uh, they rode up on their bikes, and the girls rode off, and uh, kind of in all of that interaction, one of my children wrote a poem for this uh, fellow second grader. And this is what she said, all right? I'm really trying to build your uh, sense of anticipation here. She said, roses are red. Violets are blue. I wish COVID was over so I could hug you, right? Yes, I know, I know. Adorable, right? You guys are all like, you're feeling a flood of emotions now. Grief over the state of the world, hope that it would be different, right? Uh, adorable, right? I wish COVID was over so I could, could hug you. And uh, I, as, I, as I pick up this eight-year-old sort of depiction of the world, I think it lays really nicely alongside what we read this morning. Yes, they're both kind of poetic, but I think they both present kind of a heartbreakingly honest assessment of the world, right? That things are not as they should be. Things are broken uh, and don't seem to be getting better. Just a heartbreakingly honest uh, assessment of the world. But then they both sort of have in them this hope, this readiness, this uh, ache for things to to change and to be different. And I'm, I'm thankful, right? Sometimes I think I need it in eight-year-old words. I just, I just need it to be broken down like that. This is, I think, what we'll see. We're going to look at Habakkuk's slightly more, I don't know, mature way of talking about this same pull or challenge in our hearts. But I do think sometimes the eight-year-old words are, maybe there's no improving that. <laughs> But uh, as we sit with uh, this poem, as, as I say that, but I'm going to try. So here we go. Um, I do think uh, as we sit with this poem, again, it's just, we're just going to sit with that, that notion, this really sort of poetic picture of the world. Um, I think one way to read this, okay, one way to read this, and it's undeniably there, but is to kind of focus on Habakkuk's resolve, which is a great place to go. He says, yet I will rejoice. I will take joy at the end. But right at the beginning, even, he says, I will wait patiently. And I think we can kind of like, we can, we can stay there. We can kind of focus on that resolve. But uh, this morning, I think I want to nudge us in a slightly different direction. I, I would rather ask us to think about the context of that resolve in this poem. That this is a poem about Habakkuk's resolve, yes, but it's really about someone else. It's really about the context of that resolve to, to find and, and live in joy. And as we'll see, the context of that resolution in Habakkuk's life is God the Lord is my strength. God is my strength. That, that it's the character of the one to whom he is bringing all of his questions and frustrations and struggles. It's the character of God that, that, gives, him, uh, that gives his resolve life and substance. 
It's, it's just like the rest of the book, actually, that we've seen week to week, uh, over and over again, that what Habakkuk is doing, even in this moment, even as he says, I will rejoice, what he's really doing is drawing us into the character of God, the one uh, in whom we're invited to, to trust. Let's, let's just think about it, right? So it's a kind of a, a bit of a contrast throughout the book. I mean, the, the, it's in the sharpest relief right at the beginning where we started. Right at the beginning, the whole presenting issue for Habakkuk. How long, O oh Lord, will you let injustice seem to go unchecked? And, and, and immediately there's a contrast. Habakkuk is saying, this is all the brokenness I see around me. There is injustice in this world. And uh, the reason that's a problem for him is because he knows God is just, right? So right from the get-go, we're confronted with this contrast of the way things seem to be and the character of the one to whom we bring all of all of that, all of that prayer and concern and uncertainty. Uh, but uh, even as we move further, uh, we saw it again maybe in the following weeks, not just uh, in, in Habakkuk's question, right? The world is broken and, in, and unjust, but God is just and good. And, uh, but even in God's answer, he says, I'm sending the Babylonians, right? And, and immediately we're confronted with another issue. You remember Habakkuk's like, how on earth are you going to solve this with that? Uh, this doesn't make any sense to me. And again, there's, there's a bit of contrast in this moment. He's inviting us into um, uh, a look into God's character. That, that Habakkuk, your, your view of, of the world is, is limited. Your perspective is limited. And, and uh, in this moment, God uh, nudging Habakkuk into a, a clear picture of his character. Mine, he says, is not. I hold Judah, yes, but I also hold Babylon. Your, your view of justice in time, Habakkuk, is understandably limited, but mine is not. And so again, here in this moment, uh, a nudge into the character of the one uh, to whom we're invited to, to bring all of these concerns. We, we see it again. He kind of moves forward. Uh, we saw it last week. So just last week, as we turn in the, the final chapter towards hope, and he starts remembering all that God has done in the past, way back, he's remembering. Uh, but even in that moment, a, a contrast is sort of, uh, there, there's a bit of, uh, of relief here as we look at uh, maybe the nature in which we remember, and, and oftentimes don't. Right, I mean, the whole book is, is really a judgment against Judah for not remembering, for failing to remember what God is like. Uh, but that even in the, the, the limited sort of frailty of our attempts to remember who God is, what we saw last week is really Habakkuk pulls us into the fact that, that the real miracle is not our memory or lack of it, but God's. That God and his mercy remembers, remembers us, even in all of our wayward brokenness and wandering, God remembers us. And then this week, right? So that's all just, you can see it's happened over and over again. But this week, like we, we can read this imagery and there's a contrast here. Habakkuk looks again around at the world uh, and, and uh, in the midst of that reaches this resolution, this resolve. I will wait patiently, he says, for all that God has said, uh, I will wait patiently for it to happen. But but uh, in the midst of that, you know, saying, I will rejoice, I will take joy. Yeah, yes, he, he is making that move. But this time, again, similarly, maybe it's not a contrast so much as, uh, uh, as a movement in which all of that resolve is enveloped in, in something else. 
All of it really is enveloped in the strength of the one to whom he brings, again, all of his resolve in this moment, but also all of his concern and frustration. Right? That, that, that joy and strength in our reading this morning, uh, or that his resolve to joy is rooted in the strength of God. Right, the, 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 the rooted in the character of the one who holds all of it, whose very own strength, his strength is what quickens and enables Habakkuk to trust and to, to know uh, and experience joy. And this, I think, this, I think, is the rub and has been the rub over and over and over and over again in, in Habakkuk. And this poem uh, acknowledges it, I think, pretty clearly. Uh, it acknowledges the emptiness of, of all that we so often seek to, to trust for security. That wrapped up in this sort of picture, as we'll see maybe more clearly in just a moment, what, what Habakkuk is seeing here is that uh, in, in, for his day, all the things we would kind of turn to to trust, the structures and systems we might look, in, uh, look, look to to trust, uh, all of it is sort of just withering away. And what are we left with? Right? It's, it's, in a sense, a critique um, of all the spaces we may go uh, and an invitation to trust the only one who, who, who uh, is uh, secure in the midst of, of all of that. So uh, maybe it would be helpful to kind of think through the, the, the kind of language here. And you'll see, like, uh, he kind of moves. So the verse 16 kind of setting up, he's transitioning out of where he's been, remembering God and, and this sort of acquiescence to God, I will wait patiently, I will trust you. And then he takes a turn in verse 17. This, this is where we pick up a kind of a hymn, a song, uh, as we'll see in just a moment. And he says, though the fig tree, right? Though the, though the fig tree should not blossom. And then this series of statements, really couplets, like in a poem. Right. And, and, uh, most scholars suggest, right, that, that though the first word, the way it kind of functions in its original form, it, it governs all the subsequent couplets. So though the fig tree, right, as, as he's reading, though, though the, though the fig tree and the olive. And then you might read it like, and though the fields yield no food, right? Or, or sorry, though the, the fig tree and the vine, though the olive and the fields, and then though the, the sheep flocks and the herds, that it, it would read in, in such a way that the flow, the sense of it might be something like though, 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 yet. The, the, the feeling that he's evoking as he looks at the world and his experience of it and in it and, and God's work of judgment against brokenness and injustice, though, 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 and yet. And, and, and it's uh, that, that flow, that movement, I think, is, is helpful uh, for us. But just consider for a moment, um, let's consider his, his those, right? His, his, those here. Yes. All right. So the images that he's given us, I, I think there's a movement here. There's a progression or an, uh, uh, an ascension or, or just a, an intensification in severity from figs to grapes, to olives, to grain, to sheep, to cattle. Again, uh, that, that there is, there is a movement here from sort of economic like luxury, uh, for his culture and time to, to more sort of economic necessity. 
That where he starts, uh, again, is maybe less significant, still important. It would be a loss, but, but it's not as foundational as where uh, he lands in economic terms, his picture of, of the world. He's, they're going to lose the fig crop. That's one thing. But it, but it just kind of progressively moves until the loss of sheep and cattle, which, which uh, in that moment would have been sort of the means in which they would have cultivated the staples of, of their uh, economy. Right, it's, it's again a movement. Again, this is a loose structure from from delicacy maybe to staple. That that there is this flow of intensification for Habakkuk. Again, he's doing really concrete terms here. That that what he is seeing as a result of injustice and the mistreatment of of people, for particularly for economic gain and security, that in the escalating sort of degrees of God's work against that injustice, what, what's happening is, is uh, he, he sees sort of a, a growing sense of economic hardship and depravity, right? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a big systemic substantive loss here. It's a loss of daily provisions of kind of economic growth and, and strength, which is interesting, again, as Habakkuk has done over and over again, giving us pause, right? What he is saying here is that all the systems and structures that Babylon, but also Judah, right? Also his own people and their efforts to sort of live in security and, and uh, kind of let that drive, even how they treat and mistreat others. He says all of those systems and structures, those spaces that you, particularly if you're on the right side of power, have kind of leaned on for your security. He said all that is about to evaporate, wither away. The imagery here is that all those things that we typically trust for security and strength, just withering up and passing away. And you guys are like, Pastor Matt, where's the good news, right? Like, please, right, breathe some life in here, right? You're kind of living in the, I wish COVID was over, right? Let's get to the, so I can hug you, right? And, and I think Habakkuk does that. He does that. But I think to appreciate where he lands, we, we have to acknowledge where he starts. That, that he, he is challenging a world in his day that I don't think is probably too different from our own, that sees everything in economic terms. And when that has been evaporated and lost, it gives him and it gives us pause. But that's where he lives, though, though, though. But then he takes a turn and says this beautiful gospel word, yet, yet. And sometimes I think, right, so here, here, right, so he, he makes a turn, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. And as we've already sort of indicated, he, he makes a, a nod uh, toward what's really happening here. His resolve is one thing, but really it's the character of the God who saves, the God who is himself strength to all who trust in him that makes the difference. I think sitting with Habakkuk, as we've done, uh, there is a movement here as well. He starts with, how long, O Lord? And he ends with, I will wait patiently. I will joy. I will rejoice. That, that It occurs to me that this is not a mood that he works up. And I think sometimes we hear the yet of the gospel, and that's what we think. We'll just you know, just be joyful, right? Like it's a mood we have to work up. That in Habakkuk, no, this is, this is a gift to be received. This is a gift of, of life and joy and strength from the God who saves. 
this is not something we manufacture. Right? What, is, what is his confession in this moment? In the midst of all of his broken those, right? as he looks at the world, in the midst of all that brokenness, he finds the strength for, for a yet, a hopeful word, is, is undeniably tied to the strength and character of God. So in that sense, I think it's not, it's not a call to try harder, but an invitation to rest. That even, even in the context of the verbs here, I will rejoice, I will take joy, uh, it, it, God is the one who makes, he makes, he makes my feet secure. It, it, that, that Even though it feels like it rests on our resolve at times, what Habakkuk nudges us towards is that our hope and trust is, is anchored firmly in the character and nature of God. And that it's in this moment we hear again, Right, an invitation to trust, to rest in the character of the one who sees injustice and judges it. To rest, again, in the character of the one whose view of the world is not nearly as limited as mine. Or to rest, to rest in the mercy of the one who always remembers us. That's the, the movement. That's, that's the flow, I think, that frames the entire movement of the book. From how long, O oh Lord, to I will wait patiently. The difference between those two poles is not my strength. It's God's. It's not my resolve. It's his. It's not my memory. It's his. His. And that, I think, is the hope, the gospel in in our reading this morning. It's where Habakkuk has again and again invited us to go. So we're going to try something this morning. I'm, I'm going to invite you to kind of step into this exercise with me. Uh, I gave everyone a card, uh, which maybe you received in the mail. Uh, this week is a little different on the back. If you want to pull it out, um, we, we, we hinted uh, at the last verse in our reading this morning, actually. If we could throw that last section back up there. The, the last verse here is this little postscript, and it says, to the choir master with stringed instruments. And uh, I'm hoping right now you're wondering, is Matt going to make us sing this with Aaron? Well, yes, that's exactly, no, that's not what we're going to do. But I did think it might be helpful for us to kind of step into a prayer that's meant to be experienced uh, together and, and in community. So just as a way of kind of not just hearing it, but stepping into what Habakkuk is doing, I'm going to ask you to do that and invite invite you to do that. And we're just going to create a moment, a space here for you to do that. Here's what I want you to do. This is how we're going to start. So on the back of that card, it's pretty clear. You probably know where this is headed. You see though, uh, three those. I, I want to invite you to take a moment and maybe just uh, in, in this moment, kind of think about what those would be for you. You've heard Habakkuk's figs and grapes and sheep and cattle. I don't imagine that's yours, but maybe, right? Maybe. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I want to just give you just a moment here to write them down. Maybe write your own poem, so to speak, right? It's, it's okay if it doesn't rhyme. Uh, maybe for you, the those, as you reflect, are personal. Maybe they're deeply personal things that you are carrying, that you look at, you're like, oh, this doesn't make sense to me. Why is it like this? Maybe they're cultural, larger. Maybe they're tensions and struggles and questions, much like Habakkuk's. Maybe for you, you're going to write some things down that are places of kind of shaken security things that you have trusted that seem much less stable. I I don't know what that is for you, but I want you to take just a moment and write. Maybe write a sentence or a word. Uh, Again, I I think it's probably pretty clear, but I just want to invite you to write for just a moment your uh, those.
just to kind of move us forward. And if you're still writing, that's fine. It's pretty clear where we're headed here. The last space on the page is yet. And and much like Habakkuk, I want to invite us to kind of step into this process within this movement. Uh, and I, I want you to write uh, your yet. But but before, you're, before you step into any sort of resolve of yours, right? And maybe that will be there. Maybe you will write something about I will, some, some uh, change or uh, hope that before you do anything like that, I want you to take a moment to just write some aspect of God's character. Um, and I know we probably, probably uh, uh, where we are in relation to that, we're probably all over the map. You know, maybe we're still drawing on like experiences of childhood, maybe life at Park City, maybe uh, seasoned sort of life of faith and walking with him. That's okay, wherever you are. But I want you to take a moment and just maybe write an aspect of God's character that might relate to the those that you wrote that might speak to the insecurity of uh, your those. Maybe it's his faithfulness, just to kind of help prod you. Maybe it's his timelessness or his memory or mercy. Maybe it's his righteousness. I think those words may be different for each of us. To take, take a moment and write an aspect of his character. As you're kind of kind of wrapping up those thoughts, we're going to step into a song here and uh, just a moment. But uh, I would encourage you to kind of take this with you or maybe take the process with you and uh, chew on it. Uh, I just want to leave you with maybe one more image of poetry uh, that I think will maybe help speak to where we have been in all of this. So uh, our girls had to write a poem uh, again for school a couple weeks ago. And it was a poem about themselves. And uh, they were given prompts like, I am, but I am, I am blank, but I am not blank. I like blank, but I do not like Brussels sprouts, which is what one of my children wrote. Um, and it was a really fun exercise, right? For us as a family, it was just fun. We, we laughed, we laughed a, a lot. The girls actually were like, we think this would be fun. Will you do this with us? So they wrote out copies. And so as a family, we like sat around after a meal one time and we're just like, wrote poems about ourselves, which, you know, who doesn't like to talk about themselves? But uh, um, it, was, it was an interesting moment. Uh, you know, we, we got the typical kind of eight-year-old responses. I, I, if I could be anything, I would be we had a fairy, superhero, a dolphin, this was new to me. A mountain climber. I had no idea that those aspirations were in my family. Um, and then we got, you know, uh, we finished with, but I would not be. Uh, food was what one of them wrote. An insect or smelly socks, which, you know, uh, a laudable goal, I think. Needless to say, right, we, I mean, we laughed a lot. Uh, uh, it was it was a raucous good time. I mean, for the Shirley's, right? It was a raucous good time. But uh, but there were some moments that caught me by surprise, moments that I was not prepared for in the least, um, uh, moments that that just caught me completely by surprise. Like like how uh, they finished this this prompt. I feel good about myself when right? I feel good about myself when. And one of my daughters wrote, "When I make a get well card." <laughs> I feel good about myself when I make a get well card for someone else. And then the other who happened to write the poem at the start uh, of the sermon this morning. I feel good about myself when I give hugs. Right? 
it was surprisingly meaningful uh, for me. I just, I wasn't prepared, right? Like, I, I, and here's why I think, because it gave me a glimpse into their character that I think I probably overlook or I'm too close to appreciate. I just, I just don't see it. I'm too busy. I'm distracted. Uh, all right. I'm just kind of caught up. It's too familiar. And this was a welcome, like, interruption into the character of my children in a way that I hadn't seen or maybe appreciated before. And here's what I want to suggest to you. That is Habakkuk. That's Habakkuk for us. And at least it has been for me. That it's a surprising invitation into God's character that I wasn't prepared to see. Caught me by surprise in part, I think, because of the way he got there. Right? He started with how long and, and so much brokenness and injustice and, and, and just waywardness in the world. And yet he lands with a God whose merciful memory never loses sight of us. A surprising but welcome insight into God's character. And surprising too for me, I think, because I'm prone to read books like this, books of God's judgment and righteousness, has directed at everyone else. And yet Habakkuk expresses to me a bit of my own misplaced trust in the security of my own position and all the things I want to anchor my life in and says, no, there's really only one place to go with all of that. Me, God says, my character. And uh, I hope it's been that kind of experience for you, that in the midst of all the insecurities of your life, that those in your life, false securities, yes, that you would discover a God who makes our steps sure, like the feet of a deer. That every time you come to Park City, that your experience with Habakkuk, the character of a God, uh, a God whose character works the gift of joy in us, who, as he says here, you guys can stand, works salvation, and who is my strength. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.